Controversial Hardwood, it's the MLSC Podcast, episode 424. Andrew with you as always, I'm joined as always by Derek, aka Deeper3. Happy to be here. You know who my favorite commentator right now is in basketball video games? Reggie Theus? How did you guess that? Uh, see, I was being sarcastic, but... Uh, Reggie Theus, Live 2000. Yeah. It, it's, it, wait a minute. See, that's that's crazy because I didn't I did not tell Andrew who I was going to say before we started recording the show. Um, it yeah, it's Reggie Theus, and you do do you know why? Why is that? So on NBA Live 2000, Reggie Theus is the color commentator, but all he does is give you the most basic lines, and they're almost always related to stats, and it's all we need like my brother and i are playing legends um like you've heard us talk about many times so you know like we have wilt chamberlain bill russell larry bird um jordan and magic and and all of that stuff and then a legend a legends bench and we're just taking on the regular teams on the hardest level and we're having a, a good time with it but reggie theus doesn't have any long drawn out lines and long drawn out sentences or anything like that he's just like Larry Bird has a double-double. Wilt Chamberlain has 14 rebounds. And he just gives us only the information we want, only the information we need, and he delivers it so calm. Reggie Theus is excellent in NBA Live 2000. See, it's funny because if you go back to, to Lutz, one of our founders, his review of Live 2000, he's talking about how Reggie Theus had a plane to catch when he was recording his lines because <laughs> there's not a lot of detail to them, as you said. And that was kind of looked on as a, a negative back in the day when we were perhaps hoping for more, because that was the first time we had a, a color commentator in NBA Live 2000, so we were perhaps expecting a little bit more. But now going back up to some of the color commentators in recent games, Derek, I, I suppose it's a bit more refreshing to just hear him mention those stats or throwing it down with authority. Well, he doesn't even say that, really. He, he, I mean, he's, he, 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 he will every now and then. It's It's very rare. It's really just like the most basic stat updates and i think the reason it works is because we're not taking that game seriously really right right we're not expecting tv style or tv like sim presentation from the commentary and really all we care about when we're doing legends is the you know the base commentary and then stat updates and he gives us exactly what we want and he gives you a lot of them I don't know if you realize that when you play NBA Live 2000, but he is constantly giving stat updates throughout the game. It was like, that's his eighth rebound. That's Jordan's sixth assist. Yeah. That's his third steal. And it's just, it's, it's perfect for what we're doing. So, you know, I understand that critique at the time if they wanted it to be more TV-like or, or lifelike, but for what we're doing, Reggie Theus is it. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And it, it certainly works in that respect. And I will say about the presentation in Live 2000, you know, we talked about the tremendous faces and how it holds up a couple of weeks ago, and obviously you're, you're having a blast with it now, with the uh, PC version being set up. But the presentation, if you go back and watch, say, the 2000 All-Star game, it looks a lot like the NBA on TNT presentation of the time. Yeah, I mean, they were doing so many nice little touches with that game and something else that you mentioned um you noticed that when i shared a highlight with you of a monster dunk by jordan which ended up making the top 10 plays of the week um you noticed that i was using the custom teams right what an awesome touch to have 
you know, the creation of custom teams in NBA Live 2000, be able to color your uniform, any color that you want. We made ours blue. And it's so easy to put players on the team, you know, copy them over from either the Legends teams or the regular teams, etc. Um, and, you know, it's easy to name your team and all of that. It's it's like what they have in NBA 2K 16 and up for 2K, but for NBA Live 2000 with just a little bit less flexibility. You know, it's very similar to the create a team in uh, later to 2000, but now in the past for us now, uh, create a team in 2K11, 2K12, 2K13, etc. And it's something we've lost in recent years. Yes, obviously we have it for, for my team, for Pro-Am and, and re, uh, rebranding teams in my league, but we don't have it as a default roster editing feature. And that's a shame because that was a lot of fun to make uh, custom teams that way. But as you said, we still had a lot of flexibility back in, in 1999. When NBA Live 2000 came out, the, the coloring, the, the jerseys, the trim, uh, selecting the logos. It, it's also funny that back in the day, we were we kind of despaired about the, the logos. Uh, a lot of people in, in our community back in the day despaired about the the logos and how they were kind of very specific. You know, you've got a lobster, you've got a ghost. You don't have this kind of generic basketball-themed logo. And a lot of us wanted, uh, wanted something a bit more generic that we could put to use that was not obviously suggesting a, a team name, if you will. And then, of course, we lost Creator Team, and we're like, oh, we, we kind of missed that. But now now you go back to this stuff, and you realize, Derek, just how good we had it. And we, we kind of we kind of bitched about some things back in the day that I look back on and think, man, you know, if only we knew. Yeah, I think it's because there's this tendency, this natural tendency to just critique everything. Sure. And there's also this um, natural tendency to always be wanting more. Right. Especially when you look at like sim basketball game titles or sim sports titles, you're constantly comparing it to real life. Right. Whether it be the commentary or the, you know, the way the players look, uh, the way the on court action um, happens, all of that stuff. So I think that's that's pretty natural. And, you know, we do that same thing today. We probably overanalyze a little bit at times um, for the the newer NBA Live and NBA 2K titles. But just so the listeners understand why I'm bringing up NBA Live 2000 again is um, Andrew remoted into my computer and got NBA Live 2000 set up on my Windows 10 PC. And it works amazing. The graphics look great. It's definitely the, the definitive version, the best version of NBA Live 2000. Um, but you know, I have it on PC, so mods are a possibility. And there's two very important legends that are missing from our legends team. And do you know who they are? Um, that would be uh, Yinkadare and Spud Webb. No, but I will say that in a game tonight against Stildo 33 on our 94-95 season um, on NBA 2K19, I was using the kin- Kings and I did dunk it with Spud, Spud Webb. Nice. So that was nice. Um, no, uh, Clyde Drexler... And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Of course. Both of them are not in NBA Live 2000. So I searched the web, went on Google, went on the NLSC, looking for NBA Live 2000 mods. You know, did anybody mod Clyde Drexler and Kareem in the game and whatnot? And I can't find any. So I downloaded the tutorial, um, the Cyberface tutorial on, you know, how to load up the textures and the EA graphics editor and how to um, import them in the game. And I'm going to have to watch that and, and see if I can make faces for those guys. And then maybe I can release them on the forums. That would be really cool to get some Live 2000 mods again. It's been a few years, actually. Uh, 
well, I say a few, it's probably closer to five or six now, because for a while there, we did have somebody who was very passionately updating the rosters through to probably about the 2016 season with, uh, I believe, faces, but certainly updated rosters and uh, possibly a few other RWs as well. I think he might have had a, a Bobcats update at the time uh, and putting them in the game So for, for one, of the, one of the seasons. But yeah, that was really cool to see. Love Live 2000, obviously. But yeah, if we get some new mods for that, there's a lot we could do with that game still. And, and I think people would really appreciate that, especially if we do put those resources together, which we do want to do for getting these old games to run properly on uh, on Windows 10. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, I love seeing when mods are released for those older games um it's it's unbelievable how much nba 2k14 for the pc is still being modded and that title is now technically almost nine years old right so um good stuff uh i will have to connect with you on you know with me hosting on nba live 2000 the pc version at some point um so we can get a few games in and hell i mean i could even run a tournament on that game at some point like like a playoffs yeah that would be amazing like like an actual playoffs right um would be cool to get 16 different users involved but it's tough to schedule that but it is it's a possibility we've run it before people are keen that they're loving the tournaments and that really uh, that really warms our heart to see no 100 percent. but speaking of uh, ea sports basketball games derek obviously they've been dormant for what three almost going on four years now yeah unfortunately uh, it's uh let's see nba live 19 came out in the fall of 2018 so yeah we're coming up on four years four years and we really do need that that competitor in this space the the alternative and one thing that we've been talking about a lot and it's been a bit of buzz uh, generated about it is the possibility of ea coming back not with nba live but with ncaa march madness or ncaa basketball and there was a tweet back in march obviously as, as march madness was tipping off from the official ea account uh talking about madness loading and emojis representing a loading bar as it seemed and of course, this gets people talking because now you've got an EA account talking about March Madness, and, and there was a bit of speculation at the time. Okay, they're bringing back college football. Does this mean they're also looking to uh, bring back college basketball? And we, we obviously think that's a pretty good idea, and that could be a, a niche that EA could fill, and they wouldn't be directly competing with NBA 2K and avoiding a lot of those comparisons there. But as the playoffs are tipping off, the NBA playoffs now t- are tipping off. Derek, they also mentioned that on the EA account. And it was pointed out by Amoli in the forum that it's quite likely they're just going for engagement rather than teasing. And that's that's very true. That's quite feasible and a little bit disappointing. They know what they're doing. Yeah. I'm sorry, but they know that a tweet like that is going to raise suspicions, raise eyebrows. People are going to, um, you know, think something of it, even if it's not true. So, um, yeah, I, I you know, you, you want to hope that they're doing this stuff to you know hint at that you know to hint at a possible nba game release you know college basketball game you know we're all hoping that some other company out there is working on a five-on-five basketball title right whether it be college or or nba or whatnot um so the hope is definitely there but yeah i don't know i i think that it will be monumentally disappointing if we go another year or two with no basketball video game release from EA Sports because they have the money. Uh, from my understanding, there's no excuse for them not to have the resources, and they should be able to get the, uh, you know enough people to work on that game. No, 100%. And, and you're right. And, and bringing that up as, as a possible teaser, knowing that that would 
tease people and get people talking and they're not delivering, it's just going to look even worse for people who are already frustrated with EA Sports and their, their basketball games, people who are frustrated with 2K, that 2K fatigue that we've talked about on so many occasions, that they want that alternative in the space to, to tease that and not to deliver it, not to actually have anything in the pipeline, I think would be a, a miscalculation. But then again, these days, any engagement is good engagement, I suppose. So yeah, we, we can just wait and see. But at this point, Derek, I'm, you know, you mentioned going another year or two without an EA basketball game. You know, I'm not sure we're going to get one this year. We, we, it's, it feels like every year we've said, oh, this is the year, this is the year. But at, at this point, I, I'm kind of trying not to get my hopes up at all and, and not really expecting anything in 2022. Well, I almost um, want to talk a little bit more about promotion, right, and marketing. They haven't completely canceled the NBA Live series, right? There's been no announcement about them, you know, closing the door on the NBA Live series. Why not use that EA Sports account or the EA Sports NBA Live account and promote the good parts of their history? You and I have talked about this so many times. You know, promote the jam games that they made and that were so well received. Um, You know, promote people's gameplay from their last NBA Live release, like NBA Live 19 and whatnot. Um, Hell, promote my top 10 tweets that have NBA Live in it, right? Like, stuff like that, like you know promote the you know hey this is the anniversary of nba live 2000 or this is the anniversary of this nba live game or that nba live game or this jam game or um did you know we had this feature in nba live 2001 or something like that like promote the rich parts of your history and I don't see why that would be a problem, especially because they haven't closed the door on the NBA Live series. The, the promotion and the marketing of the NBA Live series has not been good in a very long time. No. I mean, you could say that they haven't really had the, the game to, to really back up that promotion. But now, as it is laying dormant and hopefully coming back at, at some point, we would like to think, then by all means, uh, celebrate that rich history. The funny thing is, I was doing it for them with the 25th anniversary of NBA Live content. That all they needed to do was retweet what I was tagging them in, and they would have had that promotion and, and promoting those ideas. You know, that that's something that I can do, and I'm not asking for money for them or any kind of clout or anything like that. I'm going to do that content anyway. So, so why not take advantage of that? But they didn't. Right. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying too, though. Like, like, for, like with the top ten, right? Or like when I tagged them in that NBA Live 15 Durant highlight, or when I tagged them in gameplay videos that are positive you know that are showing positive stuff about the series like why isn't there somebody that's controlling that account that is promoting that stuff and putting nba live in people's heads if they haven't i can see if they like officially close the series right like if they officially close the door on the series obviously they're not going to want to retweet that stuff or talk about the the rich parts of their history etc but they haven't done that Makes me wonder if we should have uh, should be tagging that just that at EA account, the official EA, the Electronic Arts account. That that seems to be the one that seems to be uh, celebrating history. Uh, yeah, maybe that's maybe that's what I should do. Because I usually do EA Sports NBA Live. Uh, maybe I should just do the main EA Sports account. I don't even know why we try anymore, to be honest. I think it's just because we love basketball, video games, and we're making the videos anyways and playing the games anyways, so we just tag them. I mean, I get it's a it's a few extra keystrokes to to tag an account, I suppose. So that's it's 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 no extra effort really. So I suppose that's why we do it do it out of uh, out of habit as much as anything else. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I, I do want to say that my brother and I are having a blast with NBA Live 2000. And the last thing I'll say about the Reggie Theus thing, which is just just funny between him and I, is just every time he says one of his stat lines where he goes, 
Wilt Chamberlain gets his double double or something like that. We we both thank him out loud. <laughs> We're like, thank you, Reggie. Thank you, Theus. Thank you, Theus. Thank you so much. Um, it's become kind of a joke between us, but yeah, I don't care. I don't care what they said when uh, the Alive 2000 was released. We love Reggie Theus now. I, I think that I, I kind of I can look back with some fondness on it, and and, and you're right. It, it is if you want that minimalist. Uh, I want to say minimalist modding, minimalist uh, announcing, then it's it's definitely great for that. I, I did like what Bob Elliott brought to the series in the next few games, though. I, I thought he was great. Well, obviously great as Joe the Show in uh, the first NBA Street as well. What are your thoughts on Don Poyer? Uh, the late Don Poyer, you know, the voice of NBA Live for a few years there. I, I thought he ha- he brought the enthusiasm with his commentary. Um, yeah, I like Don, but you couldn't go past Marv. When, when they got Marv, uh, Albert, and uh, and the Tsar, Mike Fratello, when, that, when they were able to bring him them in, uh, yeah, you, you had to push Don Poirier aside. He, he was the voice of the Grizzlies for, for many years as well. Um, but yeah, I thought he did an admirable job. I thought he did a good job in those uh, first few years with Live. So we really liked Don um, here, my, my brother Nick and I. And we we, uh, we love the way, he, it's like some of the way he delivers lines. Like he, he goes, in the post. Like he's just, he has this like way yeah. that he delivers his lines. Oh my that, goodness. Like, you, yeah, exactly. That are very unique, and um, they're catchy. Like his his delivery is very catchy. So we um, we have absolutely no issues with Don Poyer. In fact, we've been joking around a lot about how much we like Don Poyer and Reggie Theus. So so more than the expanded commentary teams in two K nineteen. I absolutely can't stand Doris Burke. In fact, my myself. And my brothers, we absolutely can't stand Doris Burke. And anytime we start a game on NBA 2K17 and up, and she's heard, like we hear her voice, we start the game over. Like, we, we she is just incredibly annoying to us. Uh, it's It just feels like all of her deliveries is like a lecture. It's all, it's all, it's like, feels like she's trying to lecture all the time. And sometimes it's about the most basic stuff. And um, she's also incredibly agenda driven with a lot of her commentary. So we just we we can't stand Doris Burke. Chris Webber rambles a lot when he's on commentary. So sometimes he gets a little bit annoying. Um, But Jay Williams is still probably Jay Williams and Doris Burke. Jay Williams, obviously, for Live 19. They're the two worst for me, I think, in basketball video game history. You know what I'm concerned about now is them bringing in uh, J.J. Redick in a future game. Oh my God! Why? So he can say that Bob Cousy played against plumbers and firemen? Probably, yeah. Ugh, unbelievable. Yeah, I don't even want to get into the JJ Reddick stuff. That would be that would be for a, a holding court podcast. Um, if they bring in JJ Reddick, I can promise you that we will. My brothers and I will restart every game just to get him off the team. You know, I wrote a Friday Five recently, as, as I do every week, uh, but about the the presentation options that Two K needs, and one of the ones that I mentioned was the ability to to select the commentary team that you want, because I don't necessarily really enjoy the team headed up by Brian Anderson. I'd always like to have the Kevin Harlan team. And, and within the Kevin Harlan team, I'd also like to be able to customize who comes up in the rotation for the third chair, the third commentator, uh, alongside him and Greg Anthony. Now, I, I this may be a long shot, because obviously 2K is paying them to be, quote-unquote, on-air talent, but how great would that be if you could select your favorite commentators and take them out of the rotation or, or, or rather your least favorite commentators and take them out of the rotation and only have your favorite commentators show up in the rotation. Uh, that, that along with atmosphere settings and the ability to 
uh, skip faster through the presentation. That's not going to happen because, of course, of the advertising they have in that uh, presentation these days. But those presentation options would really be great quality of life features for 2K and also just great presentation for what you enjoy the most. I'd love to see it. I can, I can agree with that. Um, you mean like a, a commentary page in the options where they have like the list of the different commentators and you can like check a box or uncheck a box for them? Like I could uncheck Doris Burke. Yeah. That lot, would be absolutely lot, yeah. amazing. And check Chris Weber. Yeah, that would be phenomenal. Um we, we did find that way in NBA 2K22 on how to get it back to Kevin Harlan and and whatnot. It, and it's by just starting over the game because it alternates. So we were able to do that. So like if we if we had Brian Anderson and Grant Hill, which my brothers and I do not like on commentary, um, we would just quit that game and go into a new game and it would give us Harlan and crew. So um, That's a good hack. That's a good hack. The problem is the NBA side of my career, when you quit out of a game, it saves the game in progress to restore later, so it, it keeps the commentator and everything. So it won't work for my career. Right, yeah, but you don't even like my career on 2K22 anyway, so the, the good thing is is that you're not playing it anymore. I mean, so. a, a moot point for me at the moment, but uh, in the future, or for the uh, for anyone else's benefit, I'd like that option. Oh, I, oh, I totally agree. And yeah, of course, like atmosphere settings and everything. It, it's still wild to me that you know, games like NBA Jam 2004 had, you know, when you played like the Bill Russell era teams, they, the, the game was in black and white, but we don't have like black and white filters now for like NBA 2K22. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. No. So it would be cool to have like a, like era specific filters because they could do it. The technology is there. Um, I mean, Christ, if we were doing that in the early 2000s, we can definitely do it now. It's just not a priority for them at the moment. Undoubtedly. And look, the presentation for NBA's Greatest and NBA 2K12, from what I've heard, was done almost as a fluke that they got it working just the way they wanted it to. So if you cut out some of the, ideally, I'd love to have that back as, a, as an option, as a presentation option in the game. But even if they didn't have the, the audio filter, it, or, or they only had the video and the, and the audio filters, even if they didn't have the era-specific uh, overlays and whatnot, you know, j- just having that visual filter and, and possibly the audio one as well, that would just be so great to play with for the the uh, the older teams. You could add that as something to unlock and also use in my team, uh, so that you could dress up your court that way with uh, retro presentation. If you're a, a big retro gamer, you know you like the retro players. So I, I think that'd be a great thing to have, and obviously to use at any time in the other modes outside of my team and and whatnot. So yeah, I, I'd love to see those options. But as you say, not a priority because it doesn't really make money. Yeah, the money-making modes, uh, the money-making features and all of that stuff are going to take precedence, and that's what's happened. Um, I did want to give an update really quick on NBA 2K19, the 94-95 season, um, with Stildo33. Ken, Kid Cash um, did say that he's been really enjoying the videos, and we have people that like them, all the highlight videos that I'm posting on Twitter and then on YouTube as well. so we are seven games into Stildo's magic portion. Um, he's five and two. I've beat him with the Sixers, uh, and I beat him with the Kings. I beat him with the Kings today with Mitch Richmond, Lionel Simmons, and Spud Webb and whatnot. I went off with Mitch, uh, Mitch Richmond. It was really fun. And with the Supersonics, I am six and zero. Oh. So he's still seeking his first win versus my team um right now he's third in the eastern conference and i am first in the western conference but it's been a lot of fun we played three games today 
And um, yeah, this is definitely going to be a season that we finish. No, I, I can tell just how much fun you're having with that with that series from the the highlights that you're posting. Great to see the response to it so far. What what team do you think he he might take you down with? Well, so I played against the Clippers tonight, and I, and I ended up winning the game by twenty. But it was close for about three quarters of it. And the reason was, and you're not going to believe this, but I got killed by Elmore Spencer and Eric Riley. Wow. And that's a huge, that's a huge red, red flag. I think Elmore, Elmore Spencer led his team in scoring with like 17 points for the game. Eric Riley had 11 points, and they both shot very well from the um, you know, field goal percentage-wise. So I have a hole that he doesn't have on the magic so he has very good interior defense on the magic of Horace grant and Shaq. but for me um sean kemp isn't very resistant at all defensively for my team and bill cartwright and sam perkins aren't exactly rim protectors so he's going to be using the bullets coming up in a couple games and if you don't remember i know you will but if some of our listeners don't remember the Bullets had a front line of Juwan Howard, Chris Weber, and George Marison. And if I'm getting killed by Eric Riley and Elmore Spencer, the chances of me getting absolutely obliterated by Chris Weber, George Marison, and Juwan Howard are going to be high. So I'm going to have to find a way to shore up my interior defense, or I'll get my first loss of the de- uh, uh, my, my first loss of the season. The game doesn't do a good job with players that are seven foot three and over as far as making them operate realistically on the court. You know this. So like a guy like George Mirasan, who is seven foot seven, is actually going to be way more impactful in the video game than he would be in real life in those same situations. So I think that my first loss of the season, the best chance of that is going to be against the Bullets. And I think I have that game coming up. Um Two games from now. Yeah, that uh, that '95 uh, Bullets team, uh, very interesting. They went 21 and 61. I know this because I recently uh, wrote about Anthony Tucker as a, a single season player who nevertheless started at least 20% of their games. And there's been quite a few of those. You can go back and check out that way back Wednesday. Cheap, shameless plug as always. Uh, yeah, as you said, you got that big front line with uh, George Murison, with uh, Chris, the newly acquired Chris Weber, uh, Juwan Howard, and uh, do they also have Kevin Duckworth that year? I believe they do, yeah. I didn't look down the bench, but if I remember correctly, um, I, that Kevin Duckworth is coming off the bench on that team. And they've also got uh, Scott Skiles and Rex Chapman. And these are not big men, of course, but we're talking about... Yeah, but he's got shooters. See, that's the thing. And in a, in a video game, when you have that front line and you have shooters, that's like heaven. But a, a lot of talent on that team, not all of it healthy, not all of it in its prime, of course. But yeah, they went 21-61 and 61 that year. But actually, kind of that team that uh, could be fun to play with in a video game. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I played against the Suns today, and I thought that that had a chance of being my first loss. Um, but I ended up actually winning that by, I think, 15 or 16 points um, that game. And he had, that team's very good. That they had Charles Barkley, Dan Marley, um, Danny Ainge, Wayman Tisdale, Richard Dumas, etc. Like, they're in Kevin Johnson. They're... They're a good team. Um, I think he just had an off game with them and whatnot. We talked about it after. Um, but somehow that Bullets team scares me a lot more than that Suns team. And it's because when 
all of those pieces are on the floor for the bullets and they are healthy. It gives you the inside game, the outside game, the slashing game, the face up game, and it's absolutely stifling in the paint. So um, I'm going to have to hope that my outside shots are going in and that I have a little bit of luck as far as some misses around the rim from Weber and Mirasan and whatnot. So I do have to correct myself here, Derek. Uh, the uh, single season players who were starters way back Wednesday feature, uh, you can't actually check that out yet. Uh, that will be uh, May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. That's coming out. Um, I, <laughs> this is how much I've lost track of time, uh, Derek, uh, scheduling my features in advance. Uh, time traveling here. So uh, yes, and <laughs> very soon you'll be able to check out that feature. But there's uh, there's 10 players I was able to find, Derek, uh, of, of uh, single played just a single season in the, in the NBA, yet started at least 20% of their games. And, and you know how much I love trivia like that, and, and looking at it through the lens of, uh, of basketball video games from way back Wednesday. But yeah, what an oddity that you can start. Uh, do you remember Chris Porter of uh, the Warriors back in 2001? Again, started most of his I games. I remember the name, yeah. Yeah. Remember the name, yeah, Fort Minor. Um, <laughs> um, no, he started most of the games he played. The 50, I think thirty-five of the fifty-one games he played from memory, and uh, had some uh, legal problems, unfortunately, and never made it back to the NBA after that. But a lot of players like that, um, you know, at least ten uh, started twenty percent of their games over their only season in the NBA. Yeah, that's wild. Um, I'm gonna have to look this up because I remember it being funny and intriguing at moments which was also funny that it was even intriguing but i remember when yuri welch was with the celtics i remember him starting way more games than he should have and he was out of the league shortly after that he ended up being traded i believe to the Cavs and was out of the league shortly after but um yuri welch is a name that pops up as a guy who started um quite a few more games than he should have in his short nba career yeah i'm, I'm just looking it up here now uh Started 68 out of 81 games in his second season with the Celtics in 2004. Uh, was traded to the Cavs, as you said, halfway through the 2005 season. But before that, did start 32 out of 55 games for the Celtics. So, so yeah, he's one of those players that just uh, just sticks in your mind like that. Right, exactly. And he, I mean, how many games did he play in his career? Uh, 247, of which he started uh, 102. Uh, started 100 of the 136 games he played in uh, in Boston. So see, there you go. So that's a guy who had a very, very short NBA career, but he actually started over 40% of his games. Insane. On uh, 40%, yeah. Virtual hardwood legend? Yuri Welch was not a virtual hardwood legend. Interesting. In fact, I remember being incredibly underwhelmed by Yuri Welch um, whenever I used him in video games. He, he, he didn't have the height to be a Pat Garrity, um, to be a Walter McCarty, etc., didn't have the uh, the leaping ability to be a uh, Jumpin' Joe Alexander. Or an Alonzo G, exactly. Actually, I uh, matched up with uh, Alonzo G in uh, in my career recently, in a couple of games against the Cavs, who are, who are doing quite well, actually, in this uh, reality. They've, uh, they've come storming back, even though LeBron did not return there. He went to LA to play with Kobe. But uh, every time I, I face G, I'm like, uh, okay, is this the game that he... Uh, he goes off as 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 he would for uh, for Derek and his brothers. Is this uh, is he going to be a virtual hardware legend here? Uh, so far, not. He he needs uh, your uh, your skills on the virtual hardware, Derek, to uh, to be a, a legend like that. It was my brother Nick that killed us with him. Like I I could I guarantee you that if we threw on like NBA two K thirteen and my brother was using Alonzo G, um, he would pour in fifty plus points effortlessly against us. Still, um, I'll never forget all the poster dunks from him uh you know nba 2k 13 it's almost impossible to block dunks anyway 
and my brother would just drive from the perimeter constantly and throw it down on multiple defenders over and over and over and over again. He was just so dominant. So um, he wasn't as dominant in NBA 2K14, but man, in NBA 2K13, NBA 2K12, etc., he was unstoppable. So I know the rule is with our top 10 that it has to be, unless you're throwing a lob to somebody, it has to be a play by, by you, the user. You know, the finisher can be a CPU player, obviously, as long as you're uh, making that play yourself with your player. But if Alonzo G against me in my career does a ridiculous poster dunk, would you accept that for the top 10 as a kind of as a gag? Maybe as a 10th spot. I'd, it would have to be unbelievable. I mean, it is Alonzo G. It, it could be unbelievable. Yeah, it's possible. I don't know if the computer can do what my brother Nick did with him. But I will say this uh, about the top 10, and my brother and I were talking about this, and we thought this was funny. So we're both playing MLB The Show uh, 2020, um, and we are about 80 games into the season now. We're both using drafted Legends teams. Um, I'm using the a bunch of legends on the Red Sox. He's using a bunch of legends on the Yankees and it's all the other teams have legends too. It's just like a full fantasy draft for legends. Well, my brother drafted Michael Jordan. And so Michael Jordan, a couple of weeks ago, hit his first home run of the season, a, a huge home run. Um, I don't know, maybe like 400 feet or something like that. Um, 400 to 425 feet. And we almost put it in the top 10. Because it was Michael Jordan. I know it's coming from a baseball game and whatnot, but hell, it's Michael Jordan hitting a home run. We decided not to do it. Like I, I was like, I, I don't, I can't do it. It's a baseball game, and he's not on the um, White Sox or anything like that. But it was close. We, it was, it was very close to me including a Michael Jordan home run highlight in the NLC top ten. See, I would have enjoyed that because he did hit, a, I believe, at least a, a couple during his uh, brief baseball stint, and I do remember also the. The trading cards from the '95 season still had a Jordan card, yet in his uh, in his White Sox uniform, and it actually listed him. You know, all the other NBA players have, have got their basketball position listed and everything, and, and their NBA team. But it actually had in the NBA trading cards from that '94 '95 uh, upper deck collector's choice, I believe it was, had him on the uh, yeah on the, on the White Sox with the White Sox as his team and uh, and his uh, baseball position listed there. So you know what, historically. I'd accept that. I think that'd be cool. If you if you ever did that, I think it'd it'd be funny. You know, the top ten is a celebration of basketball gaming, yes, but but the fun we have with uh, with video gaming. So, you know what? If you ever felt like doing that, I don't think anyone would would mind. I think if it happened with a white in the White Sox uniform with him wearing his correct number, probably. But I mean, he's he's wearing a Yankees uniform and he's number forty seven. Yeah, and, not quite right. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not really quite right, but uh, yeah, maybe I'll do it if if it happens with him in a in a, in a White Sox uniform. So I mentioned two K fourteen, my career. Uh, just a very quick update. Uh, still having a blast with that, as you as you know, because I'm still sending you uh, highlights and a couple of them have made it into the the top ten uh, as of late. Of course, uh, Tristan Thompson is still demanding a trade. He is fed up, according to the roster screen that shows the morale. So there's there's only a few days left before the. Uh, before the All-Star game and then the trade deadline, Derek, so we'll see if we move him on. But that'll be funny if he ends up playing with three teams in this uh, in, in the space of a month, basically, or, or just uh, over a month, because we traded for him at the beginning of, uh, of, of January, and now he's still immediately once out. Uh, Thaddeus Young went down with a concussion. Was it a concussion? Actually, no, it was a bruised rib this time. Bruised rib. And so he's been able to start. So he, for a while there, his morale trended upwards a little bit, and he's get a little bit happier because he's actually starting and playing. But... 
Uh, in the, the last game, he didn't play so much. It was a blowout. Uh, for some reason, they, they well, they take the, the other starters out, and I just still play my 41 minutes anyway, which shoots me because I get to pad my stats and, uh, and whatnot and control the action but and actually play the game. But he, he got taken out because it was a blowout. I only played 19 minutes, so he, he's upset again. Uh, I imagine we have to ship him out because you can't have that on a, a team that's contending for its third straight uh, championship. You need you need everyone to have that uh, be on the same page and not be looking out for their stats, except for me, of course, because I'm the star of the team. But um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if he gets traded again, Derek. Uh, we traded uh, Royce White for uh, Brandon Rush and uh, Marvin Williams. Actually, really enjoying playing with Marvin Williams, Derek, because he can he's great in the uh, pick and pop in the game. He's got a very good three point rating. Uh, Rush is already out with a with plantar fasciitis, um, which I can relate to. Um, so he hasn't played too many games, but that was a great deal. Royce White for, for those two players. Uh, very much enjoying having them on the team in the short time they've been there. But uh, yeah, Tristan Thompson and his drama may be moving on very soon. Tristan Thompson and drama, they go hand in hand. And like you said, that's the last thing you want on a championship team. So get him the hell out of there. Um, was it emotional? I saw you post the screenshot. Was it emotional playing against former teammate Spencer Hawes? It kind of was, and it was kind of cool to uh, to actually match up against uh, the former team. That's why I wanted to take that screenshot. You know, kind of the, we meet again. But then he's he, then he set a really hard screen on me, so it was back to uh, it was back to competitive nature after that. I, um, I I feel like I remember Spencer Hawes being pretty good in NBA 2K14. I also feel like I remember Marvin Williams being incredibly effective because he has a high three point rating. And he's tall. Yep. And I feel like I remember him being incredibly fun to use in the times that I've used him. So, yeah, I'm not surprised that you, an assist hunter um, and playmaker, uh, I'm not surprised that you would love playing with Marvin Williams. Oh, definitely. It's, it's been fun so far. Uh, the, the efforts to get Terry Hansen Rookie of the Year continue as well, throwing him some lobs. Uh, caught a pretty good lob myself, though. Now that I've got my dunk rating uh, all the way up these days, uh, that might be in a, in a future top 10 as well, because uh, I know you enjoyed that one. Yeah, I, Im- I immediately said I saved that, yep. like right <laughs> after you sent the set the link and, and whatnot. I, I thought it was a really good top 10, speaking of which, this week. Um, we had a highlight from Dunk Dream, again, from at B-Ball Video Games. My NBA Live 2000, Jordan Jam, Your Steal and Breakaway 360 on NBA 2K14, Stildo 33 on NBA 2K19, the steal and fast break South Alley Oop switching hands with Penny Hardaway. Um, Andre Jamal with his Ja Morant poster dunk on Carl Anthony Towns, which took the number one spot. It'd be a live 18, the live king, etc. Like, really good top 10 this week. And your 2K14, my career highlights, are kind of being preserved via the top 10. If you really think about it, there, you, you've been in there many weeks in a row now with some of your best highlights, and it's going to be something cool that you'll be able to look back on and be like, oh, I remember when that happened. That oh, was I, awesome. Absolutely. I mean, I've got them all archived, but I don't always open up the archives to uh, to watch them again, although perhaps I should because I do, again, <laughs> getting a lot of them uh, built up over these these three years. But no, I love having them in the top 10. Uh, always always flattered to, to see them there. And, and you're right, it, it was another very strong top 10 this week. Uh, some very unique highlights, which is always cool to see. Uh, Dunk Dream being in there was uh, was a surprise. Um, although I, I do remember him, uh, I do remember uh, at People Video Games uh, posting about that on uh, on Twitter. Um, and he's also responded to the, the mailbag this week. So it's, it'll be great to uh, hear from him on uh, this week's topic. But everyone just keeps sending in these great highlights and uh, enjoying it. 
And, and yeah, like you said before, Derek, it's not getting old. I mean, you're, you you put them together, so you're, you're putting more work into it than uh, than I am. But uh, you still seem to be enjoying doing that every week. I love putting it together. I can't believe that we're on week number 50. Almost uh, you know, year, we're almost, yeah. in, almost a year into this. And I love getting the highlights either via email or from the NLSC or on Twitter and whatnot. Um, I get super excited. I watch them immediately. I think of ways to improve the appearance of them if they're like low FPS or if they come over um, like too dark or something like that. Like, um, or like, uh, you know, if I have to clean up the frame rate etc um i think of different ways that i can highlight the play you know whether it be like zooming in on the player dunking or doing a split screen type of thing like i did with my nba live 2000 you know michael jordan dunk etc so love getting the highlights i love putting it together and i love all of the reactions that you know i get from it and it's definitely not something that's going to go away anytime soon i i can't wait to start year two I am thinking about possibly changing up the layout and maybe the music. And I'm actually going to ask the basketball community what they think about that. You know, do they want me to keep the same layout and the same music for year two, or do they want me to switch it up? Um, it's funny that that music that I use for the NLSC top 10, whenever we hear it on the old live games and whatnot, it just, it screams top 10, right? We, yeah. we think of the 10 immediately when we hear that music, like we heard it when we were playing and be alive 2000 last night. Um, so yeah, it's, um, it's something I've thought about, but I haven't decided yet. Yeah. It's, it's originally from the NBA live 99 soundtrack, of course, and then got recycled over the next few years as uh, incidental music and arena music in the, in, in other live games, which was, which is a really cool throwback that they did for a while there in NBA live, uh, recycling those uh, original tracks to uh, in in the uh, as the incidental music so no i mean that would be very interesting to uh, to see what the community thinks about that i mean i think that's a great track but there's there's a lot of other ones that would be also be just as great for the the top 10 and uh, you know you, you do feel like with, with your content you have to keep it fresh you have to change it up every once in a while yeah i think that the highlights themselves keep it fresh True. Um, and that's, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of open to switching it up, but we'll see. Um, I'll ask the community and see what they think. I'll even run a, like a Twitter poll on it. Um, but before we move on to the mailbag, I wanted to know, do you have any other, um, updates from NBA 2K14, you know, from your, my career? Uh, just that I'm getting towards the all-star weekend, I suppose. Uh, my, my third straight, uh, all-star appearance. Uh, I actually lost the all-star game in, uh, last year in 2015. So, I'll have to see if I can uh, redeem myself as the... Uh, it doesn't do the captain's approach. It's the old uh, traditional East versus West, which I still prefer in the All-Star game, and none of that Elam stuff as well. Just putting it out there. Uh, yeah, so I need, I need to uh, bounce back and win the All-Star game this year. I think I did put up 50 points in the last game, but it was in a losing effort, so that's uh, you know stat, empty stats in, in a loss, as, as you know, Derek. So, yeah, I need to uh, redeem myself with that this year. Uh, looking forward to the second half of the, the season... Uh, still leading the league in every uh, category, uh, funnily enough, every uh, the, the five major uh, statistical categories. With my current numbers, Derek, I have the ability to have a 3,000-point, 1,000-assist, 1,000-rebound uh, season, so that'll be uh, cool to achieve if I can if I can indeed keep up the rebounding numbers. I know I'll get there with uh, assists and points with the, the current averages. I'm likely to drop, but uh, rebounds, it needs to be above that uh, 12.1 per game. So we'll see, but no, still still having a blast with it. Um, 
you know, looking ahead, still pondering the future, whether I will move on because, but or just really make a, a dynasty here in uh, in Philadelphia where I'm at at the moment. So yeah, no, just just having a blast with it, and it's not getting old. I, I'm loving the idea, Derek, of playing a full career because everyone plays, you know, at least one season, or most people play at least one season of the NBA side of my career, if for no other reason to grind up a player for online, which obviously I'm not doing in 2K14. But the idea of playing that mode as it's as it was kind of originally intended to be the, that multi-year mode, same as multi-year franchise mode, to play through the years and have the league transform and and to really put your uh, put your stamp on the league. Uh, yeah, I'm just enjoying that concept of playing a full proper career in uh, in my career. Is this the most seasons you've ever played in a my career type mode? Yes, I've played two full seasons in 2K19 and part of a third. But the uh, the servers were getting shut down, so I, I'd already made to the Hall of Fame requirements. So I retired to get that cutscene, which you can find on the NLSC YouTube channel, of course. And uh, also, uh, I did a feature about that as well. But yeah, now that I'm almost 50 games into year three, uh, that's the furthest I've gotten in uh, in my career. That's amazing. I'm surprised 2K17 you didn't get further. Well, I mean, I was, I was also... I was actually, yeah, once, one full season, the rookie season... Um, and maxing out the player, and then part of the second when I moved to the Bulls from the Nuggets, uh, probably just because I was playing so much pro am. It's uh, we so much online, you know, splitting it with the online scene. That's probably why I didn't play more of that. Uh, wish I still had that save. I'd probably pick that one up as well. But this is the furthest I've, I've played in, apart from simulating in two K nineteen or twenty on PC, just to see how many seasons you, you can actually play before it forces you to retire. And the answer is twenty. I do remember by the way, NBA 2K17, how big you were into Pro-Am and how big you were into that NLSC, NLSC team-up yes. online. And um, I remember seeing the highlights and whatnot, and a couple of you even made the top 10 after you digged them out of the um, the archives and whatnot. And that just shows how much you loved NBA 2K17 um, because you just wanted to be online all the time and playing with that NLSC squad. And, and I think that the gameplay for 2K17 just still stands out. Oh, absolutely, and that was our Friday night meeting up for uh, for a few games in the evening on a, on a Friday because we we're all in uh, Australia or, or New Zealand in in Leo's case. So getting on there for a few hours every Friday, and then sometimes, uh, especially uh, Ben uh, Kenny and I would play the as uh, as a unit of three with a couple of AI players uh, joining in, and a lot of other teams were also had just the three users with a couple of AI players or three or four, and uh, which is why that option should be in the game under proper matchmaking options and deeper matchmaking options to put that out there again but yeah that, that was just such a fun time uh I, I do miss that but at the same time the the current scene just isn't as fun so yeah we've all kind of drifted away from that and just uh play our own things these days which is uh it, it's a shame because you miss out on that social aspect of it but the game needs to support it as well you know getting on the mic and joking around and, and having a chat while you're playing is uh it's not enough to make up for a game that you're not enjoying well, hey, at least we have the Parsec sessions now. So oh, absolutely. At least we're able to get together and, and experience games either against or on the same team um, using Parsec. And we've been able to go back and play a lot of classic titles. But I definitely get what you mean, especially when there's still that itch to you know want to play the current title, right? It's the most it's the most recent basketball gaming title and you know there's part of you, I know just like like with me that wishes you could get into it right oh, wishes sure. you had other people to get into it with you that you're friendly with and whatnot so definitely 
Um, I understand the draw. Uh, for me, I just couldn't do it. I, I, I can't play NBA 2K22 online, and I've soured on the gameplay outside of just doing co-op legends with my brother. So, But at least you're able to get your money's worth that way. I mean, I, I probably haven't got my money's worth with 2K22, to be completely honest. I, I just... I mean, I, I buy the game every year. I, I budget for it. I am a collector, as you know. So I was going to get it regardless and to, to cover it for the, the NLSC. But... It's definitely one of those games where, I mean, 2K14, I've gone back and got more than my money's worth. I don't think I'm ever going to go back to 2K22 and and really have that same experience that I am with 2K14. I I just don't see that. No, the gameplay will just not hold up as well. Like, it just, the gameplay is not as good or as fun or as free-flowing on NBA 2K22 as it is on NBA 2K14. Um, And that's why, you know, I've been sticking with the older titles, even in this season with Stildo 33, you know, with the proper adjustments on NBA 2K19. By default, I don't really enjoy that game at all. But with the proper adjustments, um, you can make the game fun and free-flowing and really good for head-to-head, something I can't do with NBA 2K22. So yeah, NBA 2K19 and prior um, is kind of what I've been sticking with. As it, Same with you. Definitely. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the... The modes that we've been playing and my career in my case and you've been playing the seasons and this maybe the first year of franchise mode with fantasy drafts and uh, and whatnot or, or just legends versus the nba teams as you say and, and there's a lot of different ways that we can play basketball video games and, and it's one of those things where sometimes people can get very elitist about it very judgmental about oh you play this you play that you, you play offline online's where it's at you know if you're enjoying yourself on the virtual hardwood that's where it's at and with, with the game itself and the mode within the game and uh and you threw out the, the question this week, the mailbag question, uh, what do you spend the most time on when playing basketball video games and why? And you threw out examples, exhibition play, franchise, my career, roster editing online, etc. Because uh, a lot of people, as we've said before, do mod the games perhaps more than they than they play them or, or do that so, do so in uh, equal measure and whatnot. So uh, yeah, we got some great responses this week. Yeah, I mean, I was ecstatic with the response. I think we got over 15 responses overall and about 10 of them came in almost immediately after i presented the mailbag question on twitter um so thank you to all of those who responded i I find it fascinating on how you know people play these games um how they want to be playing these games um what they spend their most time on in the game so um yeah let's get to it yeah people definitely wanted to let us know what they've been playing so with that in mind let's open up the mailbag to the mailman what an unbelievable dunk. So first up, we have Knowledgebone at the Harassment on Twitter. Always great to hear from him. Uh, I'd say in 2K, I spend the most time in my team trying to acquire my favorite vintage players to make an ill roster. With the older games, I try to beat a complete different modes that I didn't play back in the day. And I can definitely relate to both of those, Derek. Uh, whenever I was playing my team, had to get an MJ every year, had to get a Pippin. Not so thrilled about that these days, of course, but always had to get an MJ and put together that vintage roster loved having. And yes, with the older games, obviously I'm doing that right now with my my career. And and I also love going back and completing things, uh, getting trophies, achievements or whatnot, uh, stuff that I didn't do back in the day, just getting that sense of completion. So I'm totally with him on, uh, on both counts there. Yeah, I think one of my responses to him was related to NBA Live 15 and Live 16. I really wish that I had gotten into ultimate team in both of those games because you know i go back and play live 15 and live 16 and um i actually enjoy many aspects of 
the gameplay. I like the dunks. I like the feel at times of how, you know, a fast break works, like the pace of it and whatnot. And I just picture myself, you know, using Julius Irving in those games and getting on a fast break and throwing down some monster dunk or stylish jam, et cetera. Um, or like with Clyde or like using Clyde Drexler and, and whatnot. Remember I tried to get into ultimate team and NBA live 18. And I just thought the gameplay was really, you know, piss poor overall for that mode. Um, unfortunately in that specific game, but Live 15 and Live 16, I enjoy the gameplay a little bit more. So, yeah, I I regret that because it would have been fun to collect those players, search out my favorite players, and um, beat up on the computer, etc. So, good for you, Knowledge Bone, uh, to get into that every year. I wish I had done that with Live 15 and Live 16. Now, I did that with Live 15, of course. I had my 90s, my uh, decade All-Stars, my 90s All-Stars uh, team that I put together in Live 15. Had a, had a blast with that, did a video Back in the day, a, a mix with my NBA Live 15 Ultimate Team highlights. A lot of dunks from Sean Kemp. That was a lot of fun, of course. And having Sean Kemp in a Bulls uniform reminded me a lot of my NBA Live 06 Dynasty on PC, where I added him to the roster as a an aging legend to add to the, to add to my team as the uh, to, to man the middle. So that brought back great memories for that. And it was uh, Live 15. You know, it, it was an improvement on Live 14. I looking back probably should have played a bit more of 2K15 if I wanted the the real, much better experiences on the sticks. But Live 15, I did, I did enjoy for what it was. Uh, Live 16, I did play a bit of Ultimate Team in that one. But unfortunately, I ruined it for myself at the at the community event. Because at the community event that year, that I the last one that I attended in uh, 2015 there, I was able to use the uh, debug packs and unlock all the Legends straight away and play some Ultimate Team with all the Legends that were ever going to be released over the course of the season. So I had this uh, super team that I was never going to be able to replicate again most likely, in the final version, and didn't. So I, I kind of spoiled myself. But I had, I had that cool experience at the, uh, at the community event. But uh, Live 16 was, uh, was pretty solid all around. Yeah, I've seen your Live 15 um, 90s players' highlights um, and like your overall Ultimate Team highlights. And I actually sent you a message on Twitter, if you remember correctly, and I said, hey, do you still have these highlights? Some of these are top 10 where they send them over. So I'm still waiting on those, just to let you know. I'm like tapping my foot right now, yeah, <laughs> waiting for the top 15 highlights, because there was definitely a couple of really good ones by Kemp um, and whatnot. I, I don't think it was Odom. There was another guy you had a really big dunk with that looked outstanding. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to see those highlights, like the the better quality versions. Need to uh, need to dig into the the highlights. Need to dig into the archives and and send those over for sure. So I, I appreciate the reminder. Yes, I and, and don't blame me for tapping the foot because that was about a week ago at least that you sent that through. So uh, yes, I'll need to uh, get into that. But uh, speaking of the the top ten again, Derek uh, from uh, Basketball Video Games at Beeble Video Games on Twitter, our friend uh, trying to get clips for the NLC top ten. We love to hear that. Obviously, the the dunk dream this week. Uh, also love franchise modes. For me, it's more fun starting off with a middle-of-the-road team and finding ways to make them better year over year instead of starting off with a stacked team. Weird, I know. Uh, actually, I must disagree. That's not weird. A lot of people love doing that, uh, taking that team and, and rebuilding, or even taking a horrible team and rebuilding it and making well, making them an underdog champion and whatnot. Uh, yeah, that, that's one of the great things about franchise modes, if you're playing them that way, Derek, as I do, taking the, the real, starting out with the real rosters and then maybe reshaping them and making the trades that you wish your favorite team could make or what you think would be very cool for a team to make at the time uh yeah franchise modes although i haven't spent as much time with them in recent years despite all my oh i'm gonna go back and play them i did play some my gym in 2k14 that'll probably be my next retro kick after i need to take a bit of a break from my career 
although I, at the moment I don't really feel like doing so. But no, franchise modes I've had so much fun with over the years and uh, and rebuilding teams like that or taking a middle-of-the-road team and, and making them into a, a champion again or for the first time. Uh, yeah, that's one of the great things about franchise modes. People sleep on the single-player experiences all the time. Uh, yeah, no, so I'm all about that, Derek. At B-Ball Video Games, we love having you in the top 10, and, and I think you would agree that it definitely adds a different layer to basketball, your basketball gaming experiences, right? When you're shooting for that highlight. Um, when something does happen, you think about the top 10 immediately, like be like, that's a top 10 play. I want everybody to see that. So um, definitely love that that's, a le- that's added a, a positive layer to your basketball gaming experiences. Um, as far as um, starting with the team middle of the pack or, or, you know, or even worse, you know, doing a franchise and whatnot, that's one of the popular things actually over on Operation Sports and on the NLSC forums. Um, you'll see a couple of threads at least every year of somebody saying, Hey, you know, I want to start a franchise. Um, you know, what team should I start it with? And usually in that paragraph where they're explaining, you know, how they want the structure of their franchise, they'll say, I want to rebuild a team, right. Or I want a struggling team, or I want a team that, you know, I can bring from the ground up and whatnot. So I don't think he's weird for that. I think that that's probably actually the preferred style for most people is they don't want like a stat team. They want a team that they can maybe, you know, make some surprises with and, you know, maybe get a better record than they should or than they did in real life. And, and maybe they can make roster moves to improve their team and whatnot that weren't done in real life that they wish were done in real life. And I know that you definitely can connect on that because, you know, I've watched your, you know, your Chicago Bulls um, commentary uh, from NBA Live 06, you know, your franchise on that. And you've talked to me so many different times off air about how much you loved, you know, the whole franchise gaming experience, you know, on the older NBA Live games when you were super into it. Um, So I know that you can connect with him on that level. No doubt. Absolutely love playing franchise later dynasty mode in, uh, in NBA Live back in the day. Uh, missed out on a lot of the deep franchise experiences in 2K, which is kind of one of my basketball gaming regrets, but it's always there to go back to, of course, in a game that I really enjoy. I did have plans of getting into it in 2K22, but again, gameplay kind of fell through on me on me there. Yeah, you know, you bring up the, the stack team, and I've written about this before, and, and I, th- I think probably talked about it on the podcast as well, but one of the ways you can really ruin a franchise mode game is to stack your team. So it gets to the point where you're just going for stats and, and trying to get everybody minutes. And it, and it, and it looks completely un, unrealistic because you've just robbed the CPU, the trade, you've taken advantage of the trade logic to just get this stacked team. And, and it, it stops being as fun, at least in my experience. Uh, conversely, you know, my team uh, and Ultimate Team, it is fun when you have a stacked team. That's kind of the point of those fantasy modes. And I enjoy it there. But in a, in a franchise mode, I have ruined some, uh, some saves before. And actually, my 06 Dynasty with the Bulls, I managed to... I kind of stacked it a little bit too much and then... Uh, then I was able to correct course by making a few trades and and getting the roster back on on track and a bit more fun to play with. But but yeah, I actually enjoy playing with that balanced lineup and that realistic lineup than a, a completely stacked uh, lineup that is more like a, a my team or ultimate team uh, roster. Are you indirectly insulting my legend seasons with my brother? Yeah, I'm just kidding. No, no. <laughs> no, no. Well, I mean that's the thing. Well, no, because that's that's a different experience. It's a that's different a concept. Cold- yeah. That's like that's like ultimate team or my team for us, right? Like that's yeah. just like a, a a fun season where we're playing it on the hardest level, but we're just really going for stats and we have stat goals 
that wouldn't be fun at all if we were trying to be like in any way realistic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not like what we're shooting for with that. However, if you think about it, sometimes that mindset can change depending on how you're playing the season. If you're playing a single player, doing it as a single player experience and you're just playing the computer every game, that is going to be looked at differently by you than if you're doing what Stildo and I are doing, where we're controlling two different teams in the same my league and we're going against each other every single game. So both of us in this season, I'm using the Supersonics who won 57 games. They lost in the first round to the Lakers, surprisingly. He's using the 57-win Magic who made it to the NBA Finals. So we're both using good teams. But the extra layer is that this is not a single-player experience, that you were not playing against the computer. So we're challenging each other on a night-in, night-out basis. So um, I think that it has to be looked at that way. Um, for sure and the other thing with your legend season is that's something you assembled yourself going in and you've you've, the other teams are intact and they're they're at full strength i mean they're still overmatched by a team of uh, the greatest players of all time obviously but that you've you've got those teams intact to be as challenging as possible as as challenging as they possibly can be on the the difficulty that you're playing on but which is the harder difficulties obviously played fireman and plumbers right he played with bob cousy obviously yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, give me a break no but the other i guess the other layer to that too though is that um it's also a co-op fun experience too exactly. like it's not as yeah right it's my brother and i doing it i i will never start a legend season against the computer by myself like that's not something i'm interested in but even if you did that that is something you put together and, you, and you've got those uh, opponents that are intact when you when you start with real rosters or current rosters i should say and and you make all those trades, and you, you rip off the CPU, and you've got this stack team, and then you're just going up against this weak, this this uh, this weak competition because all the stars are on your team, and all the you know a lot of other teams have lost their their best players because they're now coming off the bench for you. Uh, I find that's when it when it really ruins it, or or uh, you know when you when your bench is a bit too stacked. I find when you put it together that way, and it feels a bit false. You know, you're, you're doing a fantasy situation, which is uh, so that's kind of the point. Whereas mine is, is I, I prefer that kind of more realistic approach of, oh, I'm taking control of an NBA team and making the trades that I'd like to make and leading them to glory, etc. So it, it's a different, uh, and, and, and nothing's universal, I should say, but but it is a way I've found that it can ruin your franchise if you stack your team to, you know, in, in too contrived of a manner for the way you're playing. Right. It, like, the lesson here, NLSC listeners, is if you're going to rip off and cheat the computer, do it from the beginning. That's what that's what we're trying to say. Here, yeah, so. maybe so. Yes. <laughs> so next up, we have the Live One Legend at Nate Stasho, our friend Nate. Uh, season and playoff picking single matchups is fun, but watching stats accumulate is the ultimate basketball video game feat. And, and you and I know that very well. Uh, the stat tracking is a very important part of any mode that we play, whether it's career, season, franchise, playoffs, etc. It's great to go in and looking the, look at the stats, look at the uh, look at the the standings changing throughout the season, and and, and building those stats, obviously. Uh, that you don't have in that exhibition play. And, and I know you've talked about it before, you know, r- writing stats down and making your own articles and things like that. And that's also what we've done with the uh, the story threads that you mentioned with our franchise games and career games in, on the, in the forum. And, and they do it over at OS as well. Uh, so yeah, we can definitely relate once again. No, 100%. Um, my brother and I talk about this all the time. Progression, progression, progression. Like we want to see progression. We want to see the averages, um, you know, in totals accumulate over the season we like to see where we rank in the league leaders um we like to see when the all-star voting pops up 
right? You know, when the defensive player of the year, the most valuable player, six man award stuff starts popping up. We want to see where our players are going to be. And, and sometimes in these, um, you know, in NBA 2K17, NBA 2K16 and forward and whatnot, um, those usually only pop up about 30 games into the season. Right. So you definitely have to get a little bit deeper into the season until you start seeing those awards and, and then the all-star voting and all of that stuff. So, um, yeah, it's very important. Stildo and I have already gone in so many times on our 94, 95 season on 2K19 and looked at, you know, how many players we have in the double figures, how many people are averaging 10 rebounds a game, how many players that we have that are shooting over. 40% from three, we go into the player comparison screen and put Shaq versus Sean Kemp, you know, almost like a MVP tracker type thing. And we look at their stats side by side and we do the same thing with Penny and Peyton. And, um, you know, we're going into the team stats and looking at the point differential, um, you know, how many points per game are we scoring as teams? You know, how much are we beating our opponents by, um, et cetera, seeing areas where we can improve, all of that stuff. Um, so progression is incredibly important and the stats and awards are so fun to look at. You know what I realized speaking about my career, uh, in year three, I'm actually paying attention to the standings more than before. And the reason that I usually don't is because my team ends up at the top of the standings as, as most people do when they play in the NBA side of my career. Uh, you know, so this isn't a, this isn't a boast. This is just, you know, this is the way that my career turns out. And, and a lot of, uh, franchise modes as well when you when you you know you're competent at basketball games you end up uh, with a pretty good record but i often derek i realized this the other day that i don't really pay attention to the standings that much i'm just like okay well, whoever who shows up i'm going to play and try and beat and then whoever shows up in the playoffs you know the, the seedings and whatnot i'm going to uh, i'm going to face them as well at, at, at some point and and just play whoever shows up as i uh, put up stats and win games but i've actually been looking more at the standings recently and seeing how the league takes shape and especially because there's been some player movement. I've seen the, the Charlotte Bobcats rise up the standings because they got Rondo in the offseason. So now they've got this uh, this playmaker and, and a champion who is helping guide them and, and helm that team to, to more success. And I've seen other teams rise and fall, and the Lakers are now starting to get it, uh, together with uh, Kobe and, uh, and LeBron playing together, and they're rising up the standings. They're battling with the Blazers for the top seed in the West. One of them is going to come out probably out of the West to uh, presumably face me coming out of the East. Uh, the Blazers I faced in year one, so that'd be a great uh, rematch of my first NBA Finals in this my career. Uh, or the Lakers, of course, the Lakers and 76ers have, have clashed in the finals before as well, so that would be a, a cool renewal of that rivalry on the virtual hardwood. So looking at these standings and seeing, and seeing how they've how it's panned out, the Nets acquired Dirk Nowitzki and uh, Sean Marion, but it hasn't really worked out for them. So seeing that play movement and now seeing how it's affecting the standings around the league. Uh, which is what, something I used to do in franchise mode, but not really in my career because I'm so focused on leveling up a player. But now that I'm maxed out and, and just kind of enjoying this experience in year three, I'm looking at those standings, Derek, as well as the stats. I was always looking at the, looking at the stats and the league leaders, but now I'm looking at the standings and seeing how the teams have, get, how they're rising and falling with this different movement that they're making. And it's it's so entertaining. I think the the reason why it's more interesting uh, the number one reason is because of all that player movement, which gives a different dynamic to each team that has had that movement. Right. And I think the second most say uh, the second biggest reason why it's probably a little bit more interesting is because now there's a history with those teams. Yes. Whether it be playoffs or, you know, regular season matchups and, and whatnot. So no, I definitely think that's awesome. 
And I do quickly, before we move on, want to mention about uh, exhibition games. Because, yes, they're not as exciting as being able to accumulate stats and, and build towards the championship and the goal and whatnot. But I will say that over the past year, taking that break from grinding in the, in the newer modes, the newer versions of my career and whatnot, and uh, getting back to just playing some fun matchups here and there in 2K17, playing with some of the all-time college teams, for example, that, that DLC, or playing with some of the... Uh, the Legends uh, teams, the, re- the Retro teams, rather, in 2K17 and 2K14, uh, just playing some one-offs, or even something like the uh, the Quick Pick Play, the uh, Fantasy Teams mode in NBA Live 10 that we've been doing and putting together fantasy matchups and, and makeshift retro teams and things. So I've found that one-off games, especially playing against you over Parsec and, and setting up these interesting scenarios, I will say that exhibition modes are kind of underrated. That That play can be very fun too. So I will say that. So play now in exhibition. I've never been a fan of really in like my family circle, like my brothers and I, we never got into that. We always, you know, jump right into fantasy drafts or using classic teams or even using regular teams at times and jumping into a season or franchise because we want that stat accumulation. We want that progression. We want to see who's going to come out on top in the standings, etc. But Parsec connecting with people from all around the world, trying to get quick games in and everything. I love exhibition and play now and like quick games on arcade games and all of that stuff. Like I look forward to it. Uh, Another dimension that helps with that is the video portion, you know, showing off that game that you and I may have just had, right? Like that, that NBA live 07 exhibition game that we played. I don't know if that's, if we're technically showing that off or, you know, basically just, doing it to rag on we're the game. De- we're demonstrating but, it, I suppose. Demonstrating. Which, yeah, I guess you call it demonstrating. That's probably the nicest way to put it. But yeah, I, I really look forward to those exhibition games in, in part also because I like to share those clips with the community and have those shared experiences with those people. And of course, next up we have Studio 33. Uh, this is from the Neon and Butch Gaming uh, account. And of course, you check out Neon and Butch Gaming on YouTube for all the uh, 2K19, the 2K19 season uh, that you're playing, the 94-95 rosters. Uh, says my league franchise season about 95% of the time. Play now for the rest of it. My career is dumb, LOL, in my opinion, but I see why people like it. I mean, shots fired at uh, at my career there. But uh, but no, I, I get it. It's, it's one of those things where if you're not into that, that scene, and certainly if you're not into the online scene as I was for a few years there, uh, yeah, it'd be very difficult to see the appeal. And there is a lot of appeal in the franchise modes, as I said, and controlling a lot of different players, not being locked to one avatar. But I, I will say that playing through an NBA career and stepping into the shoes of an NBA player and leveling up and having that journey to superstardom, and I mean, you, now you have the stories in my career as well, but even being able to write your own stories in, this, in subsequent years as I've been doing and letting the gameplay uh, dry, and the results drive the narrative... Uh, you know that, that's a lot of fun, and like like he says, you can see people why you can see why people like it. But uh, yeah, if it's, if it's not your thing, it probably would be very dumb. I, I will concede that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to go as far as saying it's dumb. It's just not something that I've been interested in. Yeah, um, I see the appeal. Like I see why people would enjoy it. Um, I see um, the the sense of progression portion. I see the story portion. I see the um, you know the. The, the the coolness of it like I, I i get it so like i'm not going to go as far as saying it's dumb um as far as the other portion he says about 95 percent franchising season um surprising I, I put in their um roster editing and he spends well he's probably spent hundreds maybe thousands of hours now on the 2k19 um rosters editing so i think maybe he forgot about that I don't know how he could, but um, yeah, as far as playing it, um, it sounds like he spends most of his time 
you know, playing franchise or season. And the cool thing is, or like my league and NBA 2K. And the cool thing is, is now we can experience it because of Parsec with another human. So we've been having a blast with our season. Well, speaking of spending a lot of time editing rosters, we have uh, King J Mace at King J Mace, of course, on Twitter. Uh, roster editing. Most games don't have enough attention to detail on their roster out of the box, so I spend hours tweaking things. Uh, also, uh, Philly I'm 2K at uh, Philly I'm 2K on Twitter. Uh, roster editing and making majority of the time, especially draft classes, but also franchise season and sometimes exhibition play now. So yeah, a lot of people do spend a lot of time tweaking the game before they play it. Well, King J Mace, I know that does he does a lot of roster editing on the blacktop stuff. Like he loves blacktop mods. Um, he loves um, that streetball aspect, and you, you can see that in a lot of his videos that he uploads to his YouTube. And you know his parsec sessions with the community are usually based on um, blacktop type gameplay so um and he also has some great highlights one which made it into the recent top 10 you know from those sessions uh so i'd say with king j mace it's a lot of roster editing but he's also doing a ton of connecting with people on parsec and having like all day sessions with people um on nba 2k 22 so that's pretty cool um yeah roster editing you know how it, it was thousands of hours i worked on nba 2k my 2k 17 rosters um with editing signatures tendencies um attributes you know adding teams adding players um creating art for the mod all of that stuff so i definitely get the draw to roster editing and i understand why there's a lot of people who spend the majority of their time doing that editing unfortunately because they feel they have to edit so much like king j mace mentioned um a lot of people aren't playing the games and creating memories that way as much as they should I will say, and, and not to downplay the importance and skill and, and time it takes to make other mods, you've mentioned to me how long you've uh, spent uh, making the, the perfect, uh, you know, sculpting the, the, the perfect uh, head shape, head model for, for players when making faces for them. But rosters, man, they take hours, hours upon hours. Uh, again, when you were making the Ultimate Classic Team's roster, just how many of the hours you spent on 2K17 uh, all up just on that roster alone and doing all the all the in-game editing and whatnot. So it definitely adds up. And back in the day, I was very stingy about letting people use my current rosters for NBA Live PC as a base because it felt like people were sitting around and waiting for me to do all the, the hard work and the leg work, uh, creating players and, and moving players around and getting ratings right just so they could swoop in, change a few ratings and say, oh, I've got a roster update too. And it's based on Andrews, but he did pretty much all of the work. I <laughs> just changed some ratings. Um, well, that happened a couple of times on the forums too, remember? And oh, it did, yeah. it was a huge outcry where somebody would do all of that work on a draft class or a roster or, um, or something like that. And they, somebody else would snatch up the roster, do a couple tweaks and then release, start a new thread and try to release like, that roster and, and they, they wouldn't even give proper credit normally either exactly uh, yeah and that's that's a, a, such a huge red flag and honestly a scumbag thing to do it really it really is because roster it is for any mod don't get me wrong but rosters taking as long as they do and, and you can spend weeks getting that roster together and getting it just right and whatnot and for people to take it without even asking permission first without even giving any kind of credit i mean I still wouldn't be happy about that situation, but it would at least be like, well, at least they said it was based on my roster, but they're trying to pass it off as their own work. And I go into the database and I can see, oh, and all the players are created in the exact same order that I did them. And, and it's even got some of the mistakes I've made and corrected in the database. Um, you know, the, the kind of work as a watermark. 
in the future. So yeah, <laughs> you know, don't. Well, the- it's almost like a slap in the face when somebody you work thousands of hours on a roster and they somebody else releases um, a version of your roster after downloading it with just a few tweaks, and they say something like, "Base roster D for free." Like my thousands of um, hours with this roster and you're going to use like 99% of the work and all you're going to say for credit is base roster D for three. Like yeah. what a slap in the face. It, it, so, it, it is. Yeah. And we do, yeah. we do encourage people to, to share work and have open source and whatnot, but there are some things that you don't want to have remodified, you know, reworked and, and modified and re-released. Uh, like that and, and and a big roster project is one of them and, and certainly ask first because sometimes you know most people will be will be pretty cool about it and and you can say look you know i, I appreciate you asking me and i i'd rather you you suggest edits that i might might possibly want to uh want to implement or put it out there put it out a thread and say hey you know i suggest these edits for the roster and some people might still find that disrespectful but you know it's at least that's not stealing the work and and trying to pass it off as your own or, or even if you do give credit as you said just saying oh based on deeper three's roster but it's basically your roster with a, a couple of minor tweaks you know it, it's not cool and uh, yeah it's one of those things where we, we encourage people to uh, to share work and to share resources and to be open source when possible but there are some times when it's uh it's, it's quite reasonable to say uh, look you know this is my work i, I don't want it uh, edited and uh, re-released yeah 100 percent so Derek, uh, Play Now Online is a, is a mode I haven't spent a lot of time with myself in. In fact, I don't think I've ever even tried it, apart from going into the menus maybe to get a screenshot to uh, to mention it in passing in an article. But a lot of people do play it. Uh, Bebo Pundit, at Bebo Pundit 2 on Twitter, play, says Play Now Online. Uh, Leader of the Foot Clan, at aka underscore Chuck underscore Cruss, says My Team and Play Now Online, even though online is a dumpster fire, which uh, I certainly agree with online across the board in 2K, unfortunately, for many reasons. Once again, proper matchmaking. And... Uh, and Steven, Steve from The Dot, uh, The Life King, uh, says, play now an exhibition, mostly just trying to ball and run plays without stressing over outcomes. So yeah, that, that's, uh, you know, we, we talked about the, the stat accumulation and the and building towards a result in the franchise and season and career modes and whatnot. But obviously a lot of people do love that exhibition play, just jumping into a game and having fun. Well, yeah, I was, I was never able to get into um, play now online. But I do like what um, The Live King said, um, Steve from The Dot. He, he talked about liking to you know he just likes to play and ball without worrying about outcomes like he wants to run plays and and just have fun hooping and i don't think what he means is worry about outcomes like he he like he's not saying he wants to lose right or like he doesn't care if he loses like he obviously is probably but what he doesn't want is all of the unnecessary drama he doesn't want the gambling mechanics um he doesn't want to be bothered with the stressful aspects that can be brought on at times from basketball gaming. So um, I do like that approach. So we have some more support for, for my league, for franchise modes. Uh, Ricky at Ethnol Bargen on Twitter. Uh, my league NBA 2K, simply because you can customize everything and especially get as sim as like as possible career doing so. Uh, yes, a lot of people actually use uh, my league and play a lock on it to do their own my career without all the uh, the bells and whistles and of course the microtransactions uh plus discover back on 16 that you can do a realistic my career inside my league with play creation and let the career roll with the highs and lows as he says yeah that's something a lot of people are doing as i said to avoid those microtransactions uh i said what i said at dj81 on twitter also dives into franchise modes i love running a team and going through a circus of a season uh at sweet jones underscore otf big perk also says franchise mode 
uh, Matt Lauderdale, at Matt L. Dale on Twitter, uh, franchise and modding are close to even. So yeah, a, a lot of people love franchise mode, which which I love to see because everyone says, oh, that's for old heads or that's outdated. It's all about the online scene. No, it's not. There's still a lot of value in the franchise experience. Ridiculous that people say that. And I see that all the time on Operation Sports um, as well, where people, um, and on like Twitter feeds, etc where people are like you know nobody cares about the franchise motor um nobody really cares about offline anymore or nobody cares about franchise progression anymore and stuff like that and it's all about you know the builds and etc and um you know getting out in the park or the city and etc and that couldn't be further from the truth and this mailbag question and the responses to it you know kind of prove that to be completely honest um and Another way that that's proven is look at all of the rosters that people download, like Dest roster or other rosters that are updating attributes, signatures, ratings, all of that stuff. There are people, hundreds of thousands, upwards to you know millions of people that are downloading these rosters. And where are they taking these rosters most of the time? into franchise mode, right? Exactly. Into, in, into a My League, into a season, etc. So... There are millions, yes, millions of people who are interested probably overall in updated rosters and, um, and, and in franchise gaming, especially if the mode accommodates, you know, customization and a fun gaming experience. And, what, you know, I have my knocks on NBA 2K22 gameplay wise. I have my knocks on 2K18, 19, 20, 21, etc. But one thing you can't say is that they're limited customization wise in my league so i like that comment um that that gentleman made um you know from relocating your team to creating jerseys to creating your own court and using logos either that are in the game by default or ones that you can download from the community uh you know changing your team name all of that stuff it's all it almost feels limitless the amount of customization in my league um or my nba so good job for 2k on that and uh, Chuck at Chuck LA ninety two says a uh, franchise and online head to head. So once again, more support for for those modes as well. And you and I have played some online head to head quite a lot, obviously with Parsec and, and sometimes through the the servers as well. And this is where Parsec really shines because it can uh, uh, out, well outshine the uh, the official servers. Um, and Chaz Carter at Sotico, me and my boys spend ninety seven percent of our time modding and three percent running Sims. Uh, yeah, simming through a franchise mode is also uh, a lot of fun. Uh, at Daniel underscore MP92 is another my career player because uh, Brazil has its uh, own server now apparently so and also playing exhibition games with uh, modded rosters uh, but here's the interesting one uh, Derek uh, B for 3 as opposed to D for 3 at B for 3 on Twitter uh, all of the above is used throughout those examples says all of the above switching permanently so yeah uh, tasting a bit of everything and I like that too yeah B for 3 needs to be cancelled because that's too close to D for 3 <laughs> Uh, but no, I, I want to touch before I touch on that. Actually, I want to touch on the simming aspect. There, there are actually a lot of people out there who like to mod or edit rosters and then only watch computer versus computer games or just sim through seasons just to see how the stats turn out and everything. Um, there's a gentleman on the NLSC who's in the NBA 2K22 video section, and he is constantly posting cpu versus cpu gameplay he loves it he watches the full games and he uploads the full games to youtube etc um there's also a gentleman um who and i can't remember his name off the top of my head but he still 
weekly posts NBA Live 06 computer versus computer games on YouTube, just constantly posting videos. Um, it's not something that I've ever been able to get into. I, I, it's not really fun for me to watch the computer just play against the computer. But um, there's a lot of people out there that do do that. Um, as far as B for three, he makes a, a point, and I think that um, I think that more people. I wish more people were flexible like that, right? Because if something got boring to them, so let's say they got bored with my career, maybe they could jump into my team. And then if my team got boring to them, maybe they could jump in and do a my league. And then if my league got boring to them, maybe they did some roster editing and played some exhibition games. So being flexible and being well-rounded um, as a basketball gamer definitely has its perks. Oh, I, I totally agree because there's, there's often more than you can really one, than one person can experience in, uh, in, a, in a single year with games. I mean, if you're spending all that time with my team, it's very hard to then spend that time in uh, my career. But some people can go back and forth and enjoy, enjoy it for what it is. Maybe they don't finish it. Maybe they don't go for 100% completion, but still have a blast playing a bit of everything every year. And I think that's fantastic. And, and it's great that we have all these different modes that we can switch back and forth between. Uh, it, this is why I advocate for deep modes. Yes, gameplay is paramount, but if you don't have those deep modes and a few different ones to appeal to everybody, or indeed for someone like B for three who can go back and forth between all of them and enjoy all of them, what they have to offer, you know your your game is much weaker for not having those uh, those engaging experiences on top of solid, enjoyable gameplay. So that's why it's so important. But I do love hearing about that, and it just goes to show. I mean, not a lot of people talking about online in the responses we got, which perhaps I guess reflects uh, the. Uh, some of what our followers are playing, and, and we, we kind of have those uh, similar uh, tastes in that regard. But a lot of people are playing online, of course, and I've played online before and enjoyed that in better days, uh, as I said. But if there's something to take away from it, there is no wrong way to enjoy basketball video games. It's important to have all these different experiences and to just make the most of them. And you can have so much fun you know, playing virtual basketball on the virtual hardwood in a variety of different ways. And there's no reason to shame each other for these choices or to point and laugh. As long as you're having fun with basketball games, that's the important thing. And and somebody else enjoying a different mode does not reflect poorly on your choice. We all choose the mode we want to play, what appeals to us. Uh, don't worry about that. You know, always advocate for your fellow gamers and, and so that everybody's modes can be as good as possible. But yeah, stop this elitism and this gatekeeping about basketball gaming. If you're playing a basketball game and enjoying that mode, that's what matters at the end of the day. And we also got a couple of responses from the uh, NLC Discord. Uh, TechMobile GGL, who has taken part in our tournaments, of course. Uh, franchise mode using classic rosters, head-to-head on Parsec, which we're big fans of. And uh, per DXDO, I uh, used to exclusively play my career when I first started playing 2K, but now it's just association mode rebuilds and Parsec head-to-head. So yeah, Parsec being a, a blast that more and more people are getting into, which is great to see, and, and people going back between my career and uh, associational franchise modes. Yeah fantastic i love the depth there yeah i like that tech mobile is starting classic um starting my leagues with classic teams that's definitely something that my brothers and i do and we also mob the classic teams and add new classic teams if we like the game and then you know throw those into uh, my league as well so you know us and tech mobile definitely have that in common and yeah the parsec head to head for both of them i connect with both of them i've connected with both of them multiple times and they're both really fun to have sessions with on various games sim or or arcade and there'll be a lot more in the future but thank you to everybody who sent in their responses to this uh this week's question as you said derek so many responses straight out of the gate Uh, a lot of people love talking about playing basketball video games that's what we're here to do every week on the nlc podcast so yeah thank you for sharing those experiences with us and uh, and we can certainly relate to a lot of them can we not 
Oh, no, absolutely. No, thank you for all the responses. Um, I'll be putting out another mailbag next Friday, more than likely. Um, and yeah, you know, thank you for always engaging with the show and listening to the show. But with that being said, that has brought us to the end of episode number 424 of the NLC podcast. We thank you for tuning in. We hope you had a good time as we did. The show comes out every Sunday on the NLSC, which is emmy-live.com, of course. You can also find the show on all the podcasting apps and platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, on those platforms, search for NLC Podcast, look for our logo, and that will be us. Or, of course, you can tune in on our YouTube channel. And we'd also love to connect with you on social media. So, Derek, I'll throw it over to you to promote your handles. Absolutely. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at D for 384 or D for 3G. Uh, also on YouTube, D for 3, and on the NLSC, D for 3. Not B for 3, D <laughs> for 3. I am Andrew in the forum and Andrew NLSC on Twitter. The NLSC itself is on Twitter and Facebook at the NLSC. We're also on Instagram, NLSC Basketball. Our aforementioned YouTube channel is youtube.com slash Live Series Center. And of course, keep it locked to the NLSC itself, mb-live.com for everything we do for basketball video games. But yes, that's all for this week, so thank you once again for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Andrew. And I'm Derek. Go get buckets, everyone. <laughs>